Passion, drive, and patience. That's the formula for winning championships and is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. They have superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and much, much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, they've got it all ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber and not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins let's keep your ride or die alive today at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply and this all got spurred up because you sent me the Winston Cup points that doesn't matter for Like, who gives a shit about that? The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. What's up, guys? Welcome to Actions Detrimental. This episode is presented by our sponsor at the Birch Gold Group. Go give them a try at uh, text Denny 2989898. Get your uh, free info kit. Um, we got plenty of off-track stuff this week. Uh, we've got, um, you know, I went, to, I went to Drake. We had Southside Speedway. We got a rodeo. We got AI mannequins. We got Texas track. We got all kinds of stuff to talk about. But you actually uh, didn't make it to the track till Sunday this week. I went to a uh, wedding on Saturday. <laughs> I love putting you on the spot. Uh, yeah, so... so you went to a wedding? Were you in the wedding? No, no. Were you I, just attending? I was. You keep digging. Oh, you you want me to keep I, going? You're the host. You can ask whatever questions you want. Oh, wow. Okay, this is great. So, what's the latest Logitech equipment out right now? Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, who'd you go with? Uh, yeah, a, a friend from uh, Logitech invited me to, awesome. to this wedding. Uh, you were kind enough to oblige. It was the first mm. uh, practice I'd really first any track activity I missed in five years. I know, a long time. Did you have to ask Larson for permission too? No, no, just Denny because he's my uh, to and from from these races. Oh, I got you. I'm just, yeah, I, you just yeah. use me. He's my transportation. That. So I got to try to make sure that. I could get a ride back if I didn't get a ride out there. Mm, okay. Well, that's good. I hope you had fun. Uh, we missed your photos of me on your iPhone 10. Um, I ordered, those I those ordered, you don't know, Jared's, you know, he, he does 12. a lot of his work on this, on his camera phone. And, you know, I just got the upgrade. And, and for myself, I went from an, an 11 to a 15 plus. So big, big shift there. Uh, what, what's yours? It's a 12. 12, okay. But it'll soon be that 15 Pro Max. Well, we missed you this weekend. It was hot as f*** out there. You're acting like I wasn't there. I showed up on Sunday I know, ready to go. But, I mean, I know. When you just show up for race day, it's like you're not really there. Plus, I missed your every... You know, Jared, Jared can't, so those of you who don't know, Jared camps out at my bus. So every five minutes is... <laughs> door open. <laughs> door closed i mean i'm trying to like either sleep or concentrate I, on something here he comes in there he goes out we, okay you have two choices would you rather me do that or just and then you never hear it again because the door just stays open the rest of the day 
What do you have to go in and out for? Get things. I don't know. Computer things. That's all. No, that's not true because that's in the the little banquet area. I mean, you got your spread out from one end of the bus to the other. So, I mean, it's all right there. Just just be thankful. When I did get there on Sunday, I had a 640 flight. We landed at like 8 o'clock central time. <laughs> Track's not open till 11. I did not enter the bus until you came out at 1130 to go to your first appearance. Mm, yeah. All right. Well, moving on from that, I hope you had a fun time. I was out there roasting my ass off during practice and qualifying. Um, you know, I, yeah, I heard it was upwards of 100 on Saturday. It was it was hot. <clears throat> Sunday was, I'm trying to think, maybe California practice or qualifying day years and years ago was probably the hottest temperature I felt at a racetrack outside the car. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure what it is, adrenaline or whatever, or what have you. Like, I don't get in the car. Once I get in the car, I don't feel the heat much at all it's it's a non-factor certainly performance wise like i just don't get bothered by heat that much generally um the team made me wear a cool shirt this week uh i usually don't wear it unless it's over 90 90 degrees but they uh they insisted this week i'm glad they had it for sure it was uh once i got in the car it was much much better than standing on pit road i was i was sweating like you know, for sure the back to the ass sweat just just kept going. And I'm like, all right, get, get me in this car so at least I can sit down and be a little more comfortable. Yeah, to the window, to the wall. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so, you know, off the track stuff, I guess I met the guy that took a picture of me that was on Reddit from the Drake concert. He's a super nice guy. Uh, so if you saw, I was... I was waiting on, I was calling my friend Nate who had organized that ride and he was in a suite. I was in a different set of seats. So me, my friend Charlie, Nate Conley, shout out to Nate Conley. He got us the tickets for Drake. Um, figured the least I could do is give him a shout out here because I didn't pay him for him. Uh, I, we got the tickets. It was a good concert. Um, as soon as I told Taylor I was going to Drake, she was you know, jumping up. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my I want to go. I want to go. And I'm just thinking, eh, it's probably not appropriate. And after the concert, I'm like, whew, thank God it is not appropriate for children. But we did have, uh, I mean, number one gold star grandmother who took her grandson. She was probably, I'm going to call it 75. And he was maybe 14, like two rows back. And she sat through the whole concert. She was on her phone because she good thing because there was some inappropriate I mean, that's floaties a- going through the uh the arena very inappropriate floaties okay um and it was you know you know drake does what he does he's he's playing to the women it's 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 a very good show for sure i enjoy it he's one of my favorites uh so had to go uh that was fun and then yeah so then you see you know me standing outside it was, we had just left there and I met up with the driver and then I'm calling my friend, uh, Nate trying to figure out where he's at. Cause he's coming from the other side of the arena. Um, and so, yeah, it was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, what do we do other than that? I didn't do much else last week. 
Um, just went to the shop, had some meetings, had normal NASCAR stuff. Uh, not a whole lot. What did you make of these uh, AI mannequins that are walking around Texas? Because that was a big conversation on the bus, on the flight home. Breaking news. I have new insider information that they are people. Oh, really? In costumes. Mm-hmm. Well, where did you hear that? Uh, somebody. That really sucks, doesn't it? I know. But it does suck. We were The debate was, were these AI mannequins, were they costumes or were they really robots? Are you sure? I, I'm not sure. I'm just, I'm telling you the source that I have says people in costumes. I had this person that's high up say, I said, called them on the way to the airport right after the race. I'm like, I got to sell this debate. And so I so called you them. didn't bring that up because you knew that that would just open up another can of worms. Well, we, it was a serious debate on the plane, whether these things were real or not. Right. And I would, I looked at the back of their head when I walked by them because they were, they had their hands out for, to do a fist bump for all the drivers after the, he's looking deep in his computer. And I saw the back of their head and it was metal and air. I saw air where you normally would see skin or, or organs of a human. And I'm like, well, they're certainly, they're not real. Now I did look at the hand of them. And on the hand, there was a tattoo on kind of like the, the side palm. And so, and, and the hand did have veins, and I'm, it was just very, it was interesting. But I have to believe my source that says they're, they're people, people in costumes. I'm just looking at the videos, watching this back, trying to now put two and two together because... I did a lot of scrolling on this account. This is for a movie coming out, the creator. And these four mannequins are going around to different sporting events yes. promoting the movie. We saw They're them, all the same. We saw them first at the SoFi Stadium um, at the NFL game. I, and, and I believed when I saw that, I'm like, wow, look at those robots. That's crazy. Like, we're, we're in trouble. But I'm... And I still, you know, my I was on the side of the argument that these were robots, not people. Yeah, right. And this person says they're people, not robots. But in this video that Jerry Jordan took, when they're walking down pit road, like their arms are moving at the same time. They're good actors. What do you want me to say? I, I guess. I just don't think it's that. I thought it was real because I don't think it's that far-fetched to think that this just goes into... Mm -hmm. A person, a look, something that looks mm -hmm. like a person, right? We we have uh, wax figures. Just put this inside of a wax figure, and boom, you have that. And you would think that whoever the controller would be would be essentially just talking into a microphone that goes to the phone slash person. And right, says, but we had, we know, didn't even see a video of these straight, things talking. Go a little bit to the right. You know, like you could talk them through the motions. Right, but we also put your didn't hand up for. Put your hand up for a fist bump. Like, yeah, it seems like you could tell it that. Yeah. I mean, you got to think that that's coming, right? Absolutely. That's why I saw these things and was not that shocked. It's like, oh, yeah, hmm. they just made 
people looking iPhones. Well, it seems like you were shocked by this breaking news revelation that they were people. Yeah. Anyway, moving on from that, um, you can go check them out. I think they were on the Text Mercy Way. Yeah, just hashtag the creator. You'll find a bunch of videos of them okay. wandering around. Um, I got asked about Southside Speedway uh, this week in media. So I guess the county has asked for proposals for those who want to um, run the facility to bring it back to life. Man, I hope something can happen. That way Southside can come back. Um I, you know, to clarify some of those statements, I haven't talked to the state or the county about this uh, for quite a while. It's been six months or so, at least. And my place with it was that, you know, they bought it for a certain amount of money that the county did. I think it was, I don't even know. I don't even want to speculate at this point. But then... You know, I said, well, I'll run it, but I need X amount of dollars to to enhance the place. I mean, when I say enhance, we pretty much need to tear down everything and build new. Um, I think to get that track back to top shape and be a place where you could bring touring series. Uh, maybe it's the Cars, Cars Tour. Maybe it's a Arca Series. Something... Something other than uh, just a, a weekly show. That's that's the tough part about it. Uh, you know, when you've got the people that say, "Hey, bring the track back, bring the track back," you got to build a multi-use facility that is more than just a Friday night show. That's what it used to be, and it it just it worked when it was in the '80s and '90s, but it doesn't work nowadays. You've got to have in my mind, you've got to have concerts there. You need to have go-kart racing once a week. You got to have, it's got to be a multi-use facility to bring in revenue other than just that one night a week that you're hosting the weekly racing series. So I said to build something like that, I, you know, I don't know the number, but it's probably going to be between, you know, five and 10 million. That's, that's to really make it top, top, top short track. Uh, stuff. And so, you know, I, I'm thinking, well, you know, listen, state or county, if, if you need to contribute to that, like it's one thing for me to, you know, put my money in, have skin in the game, but for me to do all of it, that doesn't make sense, especially if I'm doing it to help your tourism, uh, revenue. So I think that there's, there is a, a deal that I think that if we came back to the table, and um, I you know, listen. I'm not interested in running Southside Speedway. I am if I own it, but not if I don't. Um, it doesn't. It would not make sense, um, you know, time and effort wise to run something that you don't own. So, you know, I would like to revisit that with the county again. We probably need to do that and figure out if we can come up with some sort of agreement to run that place. But, but then you, you got to get with a developer. They're, they're asking, you know, those who, who are out there that maybe you're interested in doing it. You got to like October 11th to present Southside a plan for development and, um, you know, basically all the upfits that you need and everything to get that track back open. 
I believe it's going to take five to ten million bucks, um, and and then you've got something because the area it is in a primo area in Chesterfield. So uh, those of you with the state, let's talk. Let's try to figure this out for sure. And um, you know, I don't know. I mean, the the chances of of me being involved in it, I think are low. Uh, unless something has changed with, you know, their mindset, but we'll see, you know, maybe we should have another call to, to circle back around. So let's, uh, let's try to get Southside reopened. See if we can't get something done there. Um, did you do anything exciting this week, Jared, anything off the track that else we need to, besides what we already touched upon, trying to boost our viewership through a hot Button relationship? No. Ooh, it's hot. It's hot. <laughs> well, I'm just Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. Oh, yeah. hey, yeah. I. It does seem weird. Like the relationship all of a sudden is like zero to a hundred, right? Yeah. I, I thought this was just. Hey, I hit her up in the DMs talking about Taylor Swift and Char- Travis Kelsey. By the way, um, I thought it was just hey, I hit her up in the DMs. She hit me back. And then next thing you know, they hung out somewhere. It's taken a very significant... And now all of a sudden, you know, she's hanging out with the mom and... Right. I've been following it over the past week. Oh, you've been following it? As a Swifty or... A little bit of both. Just interested. Okay. But also as a non-closet Swifty. Um, Yeah, and the Swifties were saying, well, Taylor hasn't said anything about it. She's just... It's, it's nothing, blah, blah, blah. This is just Travis trying to boost some numbers on his podcast, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then for her to go to the game and now make it very known that they are somewhat together. Uh, yeah. It, it seems very showy. Yeah. Right? It, it, it does. It just seems like it's... They rode home together in a convertible. Like it couldn't have been more like out of Hollywood if you wanted it to be. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, so they they walked out together, not holding hands, but then they got in a convertible and drove out together, left. I mean, I'm here for it, but it looks very Hollywoodish. I've said it for years. I think Taylor gets into these relationships for the music, and I'm all for it because she creates good music when she has dramatic relationships. Huh. Big brain play. Yeah, I mean, certainly she's had a a rough go at it, um, but... It seems like she loves love. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she gets really uh, involved quickly. And so maybe it maybe that scares the guys off, right? The, whoa, this, this chick's like all in right from the get-go. Well, I mean, I, tr- but I wonder the same thing about Jennifer Aniston. How come she wasn't able, able to meet that one? Like, it's heartbreaking for me. I mean, seriously, like I, you know, this is, these are sought after actresses or singers and like, they, don't, they don't just can't, they can't, she, they can't hold down a relationship. So I don't, know. don't meet your heroes. Why is Charlie here? Oh, speaking of can't oh. hold down a relationship. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you got there, Charles? We have, uh, oh. some, some new merch. This podcast is all over the place. Yeah, we got off the we got off the why, rails. Why are you all sweaty? Look at that hat. Show the camera. Oh, oh got a camera they can here. see it. 
They can see it. The latest from Ronnie Hatz. Ronnie Hatz. It says, uh, have you seen this before? I have LFGDH, but then it has the 11s. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe we'll check out the demand uh, via online to see if we need to need to print these things out for the people. Oh, there's going to be demand. Okay. All right. There, That's there a, will be I, demand. I love it. He, Jared's going to wear, wear it for the rest of the show. It's fantastic. So, all right. Man, eventually we're going to get to the to the race. Um, so, not much happened on Saturday. It was hot. I took the, uh, the fam to the rodeo. That was fun. We watched a nine-year-old girl do barrel racing. I was like, holy cow. Nine years old. Like, you, the horse had to be, this had to be the most expensive horse ever because there's no way, the horse is just basically taking all the motions and she's probably just riding it. But man, she was good. I'm thinking, how small was she when she first got on a horse? Like probably two years old, three years old. But man, that was a lot of fun. The uh, the arena was fantastic. What, um, what was LED ta- screens everywhere? It was super nice. What was Taylor's reaction to all this? Because I know she's not quiet about wanting a horse. She's not. She didn't leave there with horse fever, but they were just in awe the whole time. They were just, oh my gosh! And so then they had like the young kids who had wristbands. They had like you know a little calf with a ribbon on it. So it was like flag football where you had to pull the ribbon and then get a prize. So they're chasing around the calf. I'm like, they're like, Hey kids with the wristbands, I'm like go down there, go, you know, cause they're running through the dirt and everything, but she was too shy to do that, but she would do it next time for sure. So the rodeo was fun on, on Saturday. Um, and, uh, yeah, we went to the stockyards for that. That was, that was cool. Is Coke zero sugar the best Coke ever? I know that's a bold question, but it's got that irresistible taste to back it up. Well, one thing's for sure, when you've got an irresistible match like zero sugar and zero calories, something sensational is bound to happen. It's like when me and my co-host Jared team up to make a podcast. It's too bad you can't taste with your ears because Coke Zero Sugar tastes so amazing, it's hard to put it into words. But hey, that's my job, at least on Mondays. You have to taste it for yourself. Coke Zero Sugar, the best Coke ever. Uh, so for the weight race weekend, um, yeah, it was uh, another one where I thought, uh, you know, we had a great shot to win. My crew chief felt really good about our car overnight. Uh, I really did for most of the day uh, until we got that damage on pit road. You know, I, I really, I didn't know, like, did I swing out too wide? Did I? what happened and then I looked at the replay and I was like oh man Ty like he's he's got to get up the racetrack a little bit so he didn't leave room for anyone to get out of their pit stall um but I talked to Ty afterwards he's like man I feel so bad that you know you got damaged it hurt your car and I'm like dude I felt bad that I, I left pit road and his tire was basically hanging out of the car I was like yeah well his race one. his race is over like Man, that sucked for both of us, but worse for him. Much worse for him. Um, hate it for him. It's just, I think he probably got told, you know, one lane. So when you get told one lane, you could take it. You know, what that kind of mean? What when my team tells me one lane, that basically means when I come out of the pit stall, I need to be running the the third lane, the bottom lane, where essentially where Ty was running, is where I need to be. I need to be. I need to leave one lane on the inside. Well, two on the outside, one on the inside. So I come out, 
My one lane means I'm three wide on the bottom. His team told him evidently one lane, but I don't know if he took it. He took it obviously wrong, but it's, you know, he should have been up one more lane to be up next to the car that he was on the outside of to allow the cars to come out of the pit lane. But, you know, that's the growing pains of being a rookie in the Cup Series. You just, these are these are the weekends where you're like, shoot, you know, I, if I could go back and redo these. Um, but that team, they, they continue to, they're qualifying strong, they're racing stronger each and every week. So, um, hate that for Ty and his team. And obviously it, it took a, some speed out of our car where, where, where we were not able to contend, certainly with the speed of the five, the second half of the race. But with that being said, I mean, the damage looked significant. And oh, it was significant. still running top three, top five times. Why was it not worse? Like, how, why did you not drop to 15th? Yeah, our car was so fast. I think it had a little bit extra left in it, probably. I mean, you know, the, the balance-wise, you know, with that big hole in the right side, it just was tighter. Um, it was tighter than it was before. And then the, the speed itself, the top-end speed just did not, it did not have the speed, certainly, that it did before. And I looked, and, and like, the underbody was hanging down. So it probably was not making the downforce that it did before. But so, but that tells you kind of how fast the car was, likely, if if you center punch a big hole in it, and it's still top three right. capability. So did you get in the car yesterday in those first 20 laps think, okay, yeah, we've got I thought it was me and Larson. Uh, right off the bat, we kind of followed each other through up through the pack there. And I thought that the, the 5 and 11 were just better than everyone else. Um, but, you know, it just seemed like, you know, after the damage, the, there was nobody even close to the 5. Um, again, it, it sucks because as soon as we g- both got to the front is when the damage happened. So we never really got to run head-to-head, but we were really close. Uh, but once the five got clean air, he was hauling the mail. So I, you know, I don't know if we had that kind of speed or not. It would have been close, but, uh, certainly would have loved to see how it played out. But yeah, it just seemed like we both were able to make moves on guys that others couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. It it obviously looked like your car was very good considering you have a hole in the right side. I was just shocked. It was like a hearing you on the radio after, uh, the contact makes you immediately think like, Oh no this race is over, you're going to DNF, and all these playoff points you had, you know, the Kyle Busch scenario. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it two ways, right? You can look at it in the sense of you either half full, half empty. Half full is that, hey, you know, we, we, we avoided one there. Ty just got knocked out. He hit a wheel, and it's, his race is over. Or, you know, we just got hit in the door, and while it affects us arrow-wise, it didn't hurt the chassis so we kind of got away with one there we didn't have to come in and fix the damage right we could have but we don't even know if it would have been better or not so um and certainly losing track position was not going to be advantageous for us so i think that we made the best plan and that was to do nothing and then just live whatever make the most of that make the most of it make you know whatever the result was going to be it was going to be so um you know there were some definitely some playoff drivers that had some issues for sure. Uh, the first being, you know, Kyle Busch. Um, I'm watching him. The whole reverse thing with Kyle, I'm not really sure what he's doing there. I guess what he's trying to do is not is avoid stopping, turning around, and then getting beached to where his car's not able to move. So he's running in reverse basically to keep 
keep the wheels moving, probably not trying to drag the front end, even though that doesn't make sense because you're just destroying the back diffuser where you make all the downforce. Um, I think it's probably for show more than anything. I was going to say, you're, you're, you're sounding I'm trying like to this justify isn't for it. the KFB show? No, it's just a show. He's angry and he's just doing Kyle stuff. Um, I don't know. Needless to say, he was out anyway. The car was destroyed. I don't even know what we, you know, we was trying to do there. But uh, it are was, you not laughing when you're no. going around under caution and Kyle's just in reverse going down the entire backstretch? He's told that joke before. Yeah, but not to this extent. He reversed I it mean, at Talladega, I think it was, on through three and four. He did a whole entire lap yesterday. Yeah, you wrecked him one and two, yeah, and he drove it in reverse to pit lane. So, almost, yeah, almost a lap, but I don't know. I mean, you got a rear view camera, so it, it, you can drive it. It's not like a mirror. So does half and, the people in this room, and I guarantee that they can't do what Kyle just did. I get it, but it's it's simpler than it seems. Um, so, I, you know, I noticed at the beginning of the race, he, he was one of the very – he was the first to try to – keep pushing the second lane higher and higher just law of averages you're going to get bit i mean that's just uh if you're going to be the first while you may gain positions because no one else is willing to take that risk right then uh you you put yourself at a higher odds of wrecking and especially early on in the event you saw us all right on the bottom nobody wanted to move and then we all see Kyle going up there. And as he's going up there, we're like, okay, it looks like it's okay. He's starting to gain positions. Then you, then what I did, I just started creeping four foot right, four foot right. And just kept going until I got, there were some dotted lines through through one and two. And I'm like, I'm not going above that. I, I saw the Xfinity cars there. And I kind of referenced when I watched that race, okay, where are, the, where are they running in the high line? Okay, I'm not going, I'm going to take, two or three feet off of that, and never will I go above that mark uh, just to mitigate risk. I mean, that's just a that's just a risk mitigation thing. And so Kyle, he was just aggressive and he's like, this, I'm going for it. And and it, and it bit him. Uh, but, you know, yeah, it's it, it, that track is just challenging. Um, you know, I had on my notes here to talk about the track. You know, I don't, I don't know where we go with Texas. Um, you know, SMI, they, they just, they went rogue when they redesigned it. I don't know. They really asked anybody um, about the redesign. They just did it. You know, they've redesigned a lot of tracks that uh, a lot of them we don't race anymore. But, you know, we just, uh, it's got this crap on the racetrack that is really hurting it. The redesign in one and two, you know, we, we've got 80 foot of racetrack up there. We never even touch it. You know, so what's the point of making it that wide? Um, and then the stuff, the PJ1 or the resin or whatever the hell we're running, it's just so slick that you can't even touch it. So I was saying in the media center that surely there's some sort of chemical that could wash this track, racetrack off. Like, right, whatever that is, there's got to be some sort of degreaser or something that will eat away at that PJ1 or resin to get it off the track. We got to get it off the track somehow. Does that f fix the track if you get that off? It makes it wider. These next gen cars need space. 
They need space. You cannot run on a racetrack that is single lane. Next gen will run terrible. They're they're worse off in traffic than what we had before. And so it needs space. It's why these cars run so well at Kansas, at other mile and a half, because we have space. We can go somewhere other than the lane that the person is running. We can, you know, go down 30 feet or we can go up 30 feet. At Texas, you're pinned to one lane because you you can't run up far enough to get away from the wake of the other car. And so it's it, it just makes for very tough racing. And, you know, the combination of the tire that didn't fall off, We I mean, we ran the test and it was... We, we didn't actually run this tire. They, they came back with a tire that was different. I thought the tire drove very well. Uh, it had good speed at the beginning of the run. But, you know, it fell off mm, eight-tenths. I guess that's, you know, eight-tenths is not bad. But that track, if you're eight-tenths faster, when you catch someone, you slow down eight-tenths because you can't go somewhere else to avoid them you know, you need to be able to, if they go to the bottom, bam, you go to the top and you've got clean air and now you converge when you get off the corner. Texas, it just doesn't have that. It's the it's a single lane mile and a half. And as we've seen on the short tracks with this next gen, it just doesn't, if it's a single lane track, it doesn't race well. It You can't run in the wake of other cars with next gen. That's just what we got, right? So... You know, I don't know that it's entirely the track's fault, but they definitely have a role in it for sure. Um, you know, between the PJ1, the reconfiguration, it's just not working. Um, the the facility itself is very middle of the road. Um, now, I will say this about Texas: for it being hot as the sun there, the Whatever the new track president did, did a phenomenal job. There was a great turnout considering how hot it was. I mean, I could not fathom yeah. sitting in those bleachers for that three-hour race, but they had a great turnout. So shout-out to the new track president. I don't have his name, but if I did, I'd give him a shout. Travis is looking it up. Um, great job promoting is, is what I would say to that. Next, next job is upgrading the facilities it's just you've got parking lots that are cracked and broken and it's just they've got you know all, there's a lot of signage that is old and faded and it's like you know we're in texas yeah you're, you've got a you've got to step up your game um quite a bit and again that's that's a lot to ask for a new track president he's just trying to get butts in the seats no job one but if you build it they will come I, I agree. Uh, this is where you know, SMI has got to spend some money. and Mark Faber. Mark Faber. Great job, Mark. Um, just, you know, really, they, they, they've got to invest in, in, in the spot. I mean, where do we hold the driver's meeting, right? In, in the garage. In a garage. Yeah. It's also one of those just things. Gotta, it's hot. It was hot there, right? You know, there, there's not a lot of options for fans to get out of the sun. Um hospitalities very middle of the road just just got to upgrade got to yeah. upgrade it the sign that there is still people showing up despite all that yeah. and despite the heat is a good sign that if you did put 
some work into it, those numbers would continue to yep. grow. I agree. I agree. They got a good base there. Um, you know, they're, they're talking about, you know, people are saying that it's going to move to the spring. That's great. You've got, you know, from now to the spring to kind of upgrade the facilities a little bit. And then, um, and then the track, I, I don't know what to do with the track, but do all the research that you possibly can to get that crap off the racetrack. Um, and then see where it goes. Yeah. Just try something new. I have a concoction that removes any stain in any piece of clothing, no matter how long it's been there. So we might try that. You do? Yeah. Like a, like a home remedy? No, I Googled it, but it works really freaking <laughs> well. Just Dawn dish soap, hydrogen peroxide, I think, and baking soda. Mix it up. Do you know the, I mean, we want to tell the people at home, like the, what is the mixture? Is it even thirds? Yeah. It was a, it's like a half, a teaspoon of each. All right. Just I'll, mix it up in a, a, a bowl, take a toothbrush and put it over. Hydrogen peroxide. Dawn, Dawn dish, dish soap, <laughs> baking soda, and it's either hydrogen peroxide or uh, vinegar. I don't know. Oh, that's a big. Just Google it and, and you'll uh, find it. Okay, but it right. works. Does yeah. this get like red wine out? Like everything. what stains are we talking about? Everything. I had a I had a white sweatshirt one time that I got mustard on, and then I let it sit for three days because I was lazy. <laughs> Washed it normally, put it in the dryer. It didn't come Charlie? out. Charlie, Charlie. He, he put me on. Oh yeah, what what? It, yeah, that's right. That's right. Charlie can vouch for me. Oh, you had a tux on. And you got something on it. Oh. Pre pre awards banquet, Charlie had a stain, and it worked right. Oh, Peroxide now Charlie's, smell Charlie's Charlie. mixing other. Charlie, here. Oh. Get on the mic, Charlie. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, no! I can I vouch for Jared. Sense. He put me onto this. It worked. But I mean, you're the, saying the guy that is now you don't, guy you don't now. need the peroxide because it's just for smell. The peroxide smell, so you can go. Or sorry, the peroxide is what you need. The baking soda you can take out. The okay. peroxide and the dish soap. Oh, okay. man. All right. It's good stuff, I'm telling you. Wow. Here we are, helping those at home get stains out. Anyone with kids, that's probably everyone. All right. So the race, uh, we had the we had Kyle crashing. Um, who else? I mean, Blaney, he got caught up in a late race crash. Uh, he sped. No wonder he sped. He was pushing me down pit lane. Like the 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 stop where he got busted for speeding, he is literally shoving me back down pit lane. And I'm like, no, 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 sir. I'm running what I feel comfortable running for speed. Like I am not going to blow my track position today by pushing my lights all the way to max. Yeah. So he was pushing me. And it's interesting. I need to know where he sped because... There was a section, it was probably section three or four on pit road where he was, I mean, aggressive on my bumper. And I'm looking down at my lights and I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm good where I'm at. And so he got busted for speeding. And so I had a little chuckle in the car. If he uh, was speeding and was pushing you, could you also get caught for absolutely. speeding? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if we could, I, I'm just thinking outside the box here. Like, could you get a teammate to put shove someone down pit lane and get a pit road speeding penalty? Yeah. <laughs> like at, at, at Phoenix. Team, like, team orders. Yo. Um, I, I wonder if NASCAR would see that and say that it's, you know, you were forced into the situation. If they saw it. 
if they saw it. Um, they didn't see me spinning down in the grass last year. So I don't know if they're gonna see that. Experience the thrill of the racetrack like you're in the driver's seat with DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet on your favorite racers and feel the rush of every overtake, pit stop, and victory like never before. Right now, new customers can turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Bet five on anything to score big, no matter what goes down on the track. Make sure to listen to Dirty Mo Dough podcast each week before checking out the DraftKings Sportsbook app. With props, parlays, and more, there will be action to follow all race long. The racing action doesn't stop till the checkered flag drops. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and join with code DENNY. New customers can bet $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. That's code DENNY only on the DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. For state-specific disclaimers, check the show notes. 21 and older, varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, see dkng.co slash autoracing for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. The race was pretty straightforward. Uh, the five had the dominant car once he got out front. Um, it looked like he was cruising. And then J.J. Yaley spins out and uh, causes a late caution. And then all hell breaks loose. The most the dominant car then gets... I, I saw a tweet by, by Jeff Gluck. I got to read it. Um, because I sent him a message when I saw it. It says... A J.J. Yaley spin leads to a restart in which the dominant car loses his air and crashes and is now below the cut line. The cut line is the points as they run. What a turn of events. And I just texted him, quintessential NASCAR. <laughs> like, that is our sport, right? Of like, it's, he had nothing to do with it. J.J. Yaley spins out and then it's turned on its head. And by the way, that's likely how we will determine a champion as well. Happened last year. You know, so... Or two years ago. Yeah, it, it's same thing, right? I think it was actually the 15 car. Same... It was. At, that, at Phoenix that crashed when me and Martin were battling. Yep. So, um, he replied to that just saying, basically, he's like, uh, you yeah, know, sorry, Jeff, reading our text. He says, well, there was a time when I used to get so angry over this kind of stuff and hate how they would want a system where the best are intentionally and not rewarded for being great. But now I'm just sadly resigned to it. It's kind of depressing. But hey, it's entertainment. For, for what it's worth, <laughs> I know someone who said the exact same thing in the, in the moment that was not named Jeff Gluck. Mm. Uh, hmm. Does he draw the five? No. <laughs> oh. Nope. Oh. Well, yeah, that, that certainly was a bad turn of events. Uh, we have an Amber Alert, a uh, 2003 Buick Rendezvous. Um, that was a bad turn of events for Kyle. Uh, for sure, you're going from going to lock yourself into the round of eight uh, and then... Now you're battling, and you got to battle for the next couple of weeks. You got Talladega; his track record's not been great there. I think Kyle's an okay drafter, um, but it seems like if there's a wreck, he's uh, he's gonna find his way in it at some sort. But 
it's interesting. Like, I don't see him doing anything that's out of the ordinary on super speedways. It's just, it seems like it always seems to find him. Uh, he doesn't really start the wrecks. It just kind of, he's right in the middle of it somehow. So, uh, he's just had bad luck. Eventually, you would think over your career, these things get evened out. I know that I, my results on speedways didn't start getting better till eight years in. Uh, it was a long time. So um, now I had a spotter change and whatnot during that course. But uh, yeah, this weekend's going to be kind of crazy when it comes to all these guys that are somewhat around the bubble. Um, but to kind of talk more about Texas, you then have. William Byron now and Bubba Wallace pick up the pieces from, you know, well, let's break down the Larson wreck. You know, he was definitely, and I think Kyle said it correctly in his interview when he said, you know, I was trying to take all the space I could on entry, make a, get, get a big wide swing into the corner. Um, and I just should have left more space. Um, certainly from what I see, I agree with that. Um, you know, Kyle will definitely try to use all the space on entry if you're on the outside of them. And, you know, to to kind of, it, it, there's two folds things that it does. A is he's trying to dump left re- air on your left rear uh, of your car, which makes your car a little bit more unstable as it enters the corner. And it, it increases his arc, which is trajectory into the corner. And it gives him a better angle to then go clear you. Um, and he just, he got too close. He just ran up the racetrack too much. Uh, you know, in that situation too, at the end of the race, you're going to have two guys running up front that neither one of them are going to hit hit their uh, breaking points or, or throttle points. Like they're both going to just drive in extremely deep trying to, trying to clear one another. So um, likely they were on the edge of out of control anyway because they were entering the corner so quickly. Uh, but you know what this did is it, it, it spun Kyle out, um, and, and he, uh, he had a bad day, you know, so then you got a restart and I was watching the restart and I, I see Bubba choosing the outside and I'm like, Ugh. I just didn't, I didn't necessarily, especially in the moment, agree with that call because even though you got the lead that way, I just think that the, the power position on restarts has changed. It's now on the bottom. The bottom is the power position. It's definitely the lane with the most grip through three and four on restarts, especially. Um, I just don't think giving someone else the ability to run you up was a good idea. At least but this is on. There, there was multiple. There restarts. was multiple. The first so, one he he cleared and was. I, I get it. Yeah. But had he he cleared because he got a good jump. Right. But if you don't get the good jump and you don't aren't able to clear on the straightaway, he's then going to have to battle that 14 car, which he ended up having to do on a later restart. And now he's at the mercy of the 14 car because he he can't run the bottom. The 14 has the liberty to just use more racetrack. We've seen it use that technique before, right? So I think that it was just a tough position for him to be in. I don't know. You know, I think he started the race on the bottom. He also cleared. So I don't know. I mean, certainly hindsight, we're, we're Monday morning quarterback in this thing. And, and it's always an easy call on the next day, but it seems like on the mile and a half, um, on these late race restarts, the inside just seems like the right play, um, 
just just because just because of the leverage position that it that it um gives you so when bubba and kyle are racing side by side there bubba is actually not in a no he's not in a good spot because kyle can do yeah. what kyle does sometimes which is just kind of run you up the racetrack run you out of room and, and leave you no position to even try to make the corner well, so why was it kyle that Got which the which is the stick there. which especially racing for the win late in the day right my guess is eventually kyle would have run him up the track um you know because they're racing for the win and he's going to do whatever he can to get the win but i think kyle was also correct in what he said he was like damn it i should have just ran a couple more laps under him i would have cleared him eventually he said but i tried to do it right away and, and i got impatient so i think his assumption of what happened was dead on from what i saw um i wasn't in either one of the cars so i saw you know it's tough for me to understand fully the situation but from the outsiders looking in um i thought that his uh summary of of the incident was kind of correct and, and eventually i thought he was going to clear the 23 because you can just time your run into the corner to do that but you know, so was he, there anything, he wanted to get it done right then. Was there anything that Bubba was doing there, driving the car, that created this looseness for Kyle? Or no, 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 it's 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 a unique situation. We haven't seen it except for Michigan. I think there was a couple instances of Kyle Busch and then someone else who got loose under another car. Um, knock on wood, I haven't experienced it yet. I've I've only experienced tight underneath cars, not the freeness. But it seems like that there is a spot when the cars, if they are nose to nose, where if that inside car pulls down, it gets loose. So I don't know. I need to study that a little bit more to try to avoid those situations. But this is not the first time, but it is one of the very few times that we've seen it. So certainly it probably caught... Larson off guard when when it happened. Yeah. So Bubba's just really just hanging on there for dear life. Yeah, it's interesting he's trying. because if you don't know yeah. the ins and outs of this car, like my takeaway was that Bubba was like the creator of that situation mm -hmm. because he was holding Kyle down. But you're saying it's out. No, well, he wasn't holding him down. He, Bubba was up the racetrack. If you look when Kyle spun, there was a whole lane plus on the bottom. He was he was pretty wide. You know, and Kyle said it. He said, "Listen, I was super wide trying to run a big arc to get to get a good angle. So he he chose to run up the racetrack there on Bubba and try to pull down and and make a good arc, but he got loose because of that. Bubba's just running his oh, lane. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, Bubba's just running his lane, and at that point, the spotter's probably yelling at Bubba." He's chasing you up, loose under you. You know, usually your spotters are letting you know when someone's really struggling to hold the bottom. And then you kind of shade up slightly to give room so you don't get spun. So, yeah, Bubba was pretty lucky not to get spun there as well. So that led to the restarts where, you know, Bubba cleared the first, gave up the power position to the 14 on the second. And then here comes our hero, William Byron, to come in and snatch another one from the grasp of someone else. <laughs> this has been that team's MO this year where um, they won six races. I don't know how many they've dominated. It hasn't been many, but they definitely capitalized. They, that is the epitome of capitalizing on others' mistakes, uh, being there. If, you, if you're there enough, you're going to win races. Like Whatever that definition is, 
William Byron's face and name is right there right now. So um, they found a way and, and they won the race. And what happened was the 14 car, again, was getting tight. 23 is on the outside. They both likely lift off of turn two because they're chasing each other up the track. And then here comes the 24, the big run, three wide bottom, clear. So there's uh, a great meme on Twitter that's if you're racing Chase Briscoe for the win, chances are neither of you are going to end with the trophy. I so, was thinking, citing, I, yeah. I was thinking in my head under the caution when I saw Bubba choose the outside of Chase Briscoe, I'm like, this is not going to end well. It's just the track record is just not good with Briscoe at the end of races up front. It just, it's not good. It, whatever the results are, it's just not good. So, um, I, I didn't like it for sure, but yeah, I mean, both of them are racing hard for the win. I mean, it, what Chase did really was kind of what I did to Larson at Pocono. There's not, it's, it's kind of similar where we both came off the corner, lost momentum, you know, had, had we not been able to be clear and pull down the, down the short shoot at Pocono, we would have both got passed as well, but we both pulled down there to block the runs that were coming. Uh, but William capitalized. He made a great move, three wide bottom, and set sails for his sixth win record for him, most for that 24 car in many, many years. Uh, and now they're on to the round of eight. Yeah, and for what it's worth, William Winnen doesn't shake up the playoff standings as much as what could have been. Mm -hmm. Ross Chastain was there. That would have been yeah. a surprise winner given the way he's been running the last handful of weeks. Uh, Chase Elliott was in the picture. Yep. So... William was a guy that had enough playoff points and was going to have a fine day at Texas that he was. How was he running though throughout the day? I, I didn't, I didn't see him, but I was. Yeah. Well, he was behind you, but not far behind you. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, more than likely if he ended up towards the front, um, when all those cars stayed out, he was probably at the back half of the top 10, somewhere like that. Because I noticed when I pitted, that was the 17, the six, a bunch of others right behind me pit. So those that were in the high, you know, single digits to teens moved right. all the way up the field. Uh, I never thought 14 cars would stay out on 28 lap tires, but what was the, what's the ideal situation there? Like what, four what, or five cars stay out. That's what we thought would happen. And then you've got new tires and you got 20 laps. Certainly you would think in that amount of time, you're going to, be able to come back. Right, because you went from 14th to 5th. and 15th. We were 15th, 15th to 5th, and we only had a few laps of green. Right. But I had some good restarts that helped that cause. I mean, I would gain two or three spots, bam, caution would come out. So I thought that, you know, so what I'll, I do it in my head a lot, I notice, is that when I come out 15th, there's 20 to go, I look at all the cars and I'm thinking, all right, I must shift my goals. Where does the position that I'm going to leave here happy with? And at the time, I was thinking seventh. Seventh was my number that if I can get back to seventh, that we made something of this call. Um, and so we got back to fifth. So it, it, you know, it was okay. Again, you can always make the right call. If you, if, if you could tell Chris, all right, Chris, there's going to be 14 cars. Stay out. What's the right call? He's going to say, stay out. Mm -hmm. Like you can always make the right call if you know what others are going to do. But if you don't know, then it's very, it, your strategy 
success or fail is dependent upon what others choose to do. We just didn't think there would be that many cars stay out. Yeah. Given everything that we know now and how your day went, looking through these playoff standings, you're plus 37 to the good. You got to feel pretty good going into Talladega that if you can get through there cleanly, that you'll more or less lock yourself into the run of eight. Don't see your early calling. This is Rick Allen. How? If you go to Talladega and have a clean day and finish the race. I know, but you're race, just like, oh, but you're, you're it's given. You're just going to go to Talladega and have a nice, solid day. No, and I didn't you're say you're yourself. going to. I said if. If you leave yeah. Talladega with an 11th place finish and a clean car, you will probably 11th be. 11th and a clean car. Let me think about this. Would I take that right now and not run the race? Do I, do I get any stage points? For the sake of argument, no. You don't. Mm, not good enough. How? Wouldn't take it. There's going to be other guys on this list that are not going to I know, I know, but I just have to assume others will get stage points, so then I need to race for stage points, and then if they get caught in a wreck, I'm caught in the wreck. All right, you get four. I try to play the odds. I'm trying to play that I need to keep my gap over the bubble. So if I need to put myself around the bubble cars, that way if they're in a wreck, I'm in a wreck. Right. You know what I mean? That way it keeps my gap to them. Yep. Right? Um, I don't know. I'm just playing through this in my head. I'm li- likely to run the race totally different. But 11th with no stage points, would I take that not race? No. All right, what I don't about think that's four enough. stage points? Yeah, it's not enough. Now, would how about this? Would I take my gap over the bubble right now going into the Roval? Yes. Well, of course. You're 37 points up. That's what you're saying. Well, if right? I run 11th with no stage points, I'm likely going to lose to the bubble. Right. You may come out of Talladega plus 25. Mm, yeah, that's not that's not great. It's pretty good. I know it's pretty good, but it's not great. That would put you in probably in the top four. That means if uh, the other guys score a bunch of stage points, I don't at the Roval. I run 20th. They run six. I'm out. You're making way too many. You also have to assume that a driver below could win Talladega or the Roval too. I understand. But when we go into the Roval, there's going to be at least two drivers who are, I think, this is what I think, there's going to be at least two drivers that are in must-win scenarios. And anyone who is in the top four in points is going to be feeling pretty good that if they can just have an average day, they'll be all right. Yeah, I mean... Let's just leave Talladega with, with the same gap I've got. I'll feel pretty good. Yeah, that would be phenomenal. Phenomenal, absolutely. But I'm going to need to do better than 11th with no stage points, I think, to do that. So uh, I'm 37. You got Busher plus 22, Bell 20, Truex 19, Chastain 12. Chastain, man, the dude just keeps making chicken salad out of chicken <laughs> most weeks. I mean, he does. He, I'm not saying his car's chicken, but like they're how they're, you know, yeah, they wherever they're second. at. Yeah. Like they're optimizing their day. Yeah. He, had a, he had a big issue. He had a big issue yesterday, too, with his car. Yeah. He said something about the throttle position sensor or something went out. Um, he stalled on one of the pit stops. I'm not sure if that was related to that. So it, it, it Definitely could have been, but yeah, they, 
they found a way. Again, it took cautions to do it. So are you always going to get those cautions at the end to salvage your day? Not always, for sure. But again, he's riding that wave until he gets the fastest cars again. So, But I did think that the track house cars showed up this weekend with better speed than they, than they had had in the past. Um, the 99, you know, they battled back. They got a top 10 as well. So the track house cars are really good about, you know, getting the best out of their day. And certainly they did yesterday. Um, Kozlowski, him and Busher are just, is perennial the right word? What does perennial mean? I, I feel like it's. Yeah, like okay. an adjective. Because you get like perennial yeah. flowers. Tiff, tiff here with the, with the assist. Means it happens often, right? It, Oh, every year. Oh, is that why those plants? Yeah, are called that's that? not the word I'm looking for. Then, what happens if it's every week? Is there another word I'm missing? Weekly. Ah, oh, weekly. <laughs> Come on. All right. Anyway, the the RFK cars, the 17 and the six, are weekly third to fourth place guys. Travis, just I know it's bad, right? It's bad. I get it. Is anyone else just not fascinated that that's why the plant is called a perennial because it keeps coming back? You didn't know that? No. The f*** did you do in fifth grade? That's so interesting. I was on that show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? And obviously I was not. They were asked this stupid-ass questions that like, listen, I hadn't been in fifth grade for 30 years. What do you expect? Of course a fifth grader knows more than I did. They just learned it last week. Yeah. Like it was like, I, I don't know, one of the questions at the end was, who was the Nobel Peace Prize winner that wrote the book Lord of the Flies? Do you know? Is, is Lord of the Flies F. Scott Fitzgerald? Somebody look it up. It's not that. I'm trying to think who it is. Oh, Travis, like you've got an inclination? You don't have an inclination. No uh, way. William Golding, no, I would have never guessed that. Okay, no, I didn't know that. Okay. So, moving on from that, I am not smarter than a fifth grader. On a weekly basis, Tiff says, it's basically the RFK cars run third to fifth. Recurring, yep. It's a recurring theme that he and Chris Busher run third to fifth. I mean, they're strong. They're, they're just, they're not race winning speed that much but they are just waiting to pick up the pieces when the top two have problems and so they pitted with us the strategy didn't work out obviously um for them either uh brad finished seventh so he was the better end of it but i think chris busher got in one of those incidences and and it messed him up but they're they're strong they're super strong and and putting themselves up front every week. This was an off week for Reddick. He didn't run that well. Not certainly as, as good as I, I thought that they would. Bubba ran good. He was good out front in traffic. They were kind of middle of the road. Um, you know, again, it just didn't look like they had the speed, um, the all-out speed, because even when they were up front, like they weren't able to do what Larson did, and that was pull away from the pack. Yeah. Like when you're up front leading, you should be able to just walk the dog. Um, if you've truly got speed, speed, you're going to walk the dog and pull away, pull away from the pack pretty big. Blaney didn't run that well. 
but he was up front. They they worked the strategy well. Then he sped on pit road, got in a rake wreck late. We already talked about uh, backwards guy Kyle Busch. So um, we're going to Talladega now. It's going to be. I don't know. I, I thought I thought Daytona would be a show. It didn't really turn out to be as much, but I guess I'll call it this this week another show. I have a question. If you're Bubba Wallace and you had the opportunity to win this race and you didn't, but now given the point standings, you got to feel pretty damn good about the way Texas played out for you. To go from minus whatever it was, 14, 15, 16, to minus mm-hmm. two? Yeah. I mean, they're, they, um, they're running strong. Certainly, they're, they're, they're strong contenders, and they're, they qualified great. They ran great. They led 100 and some laps. Um, it's, uh, you got to feel pretty good about it, but there's also, they also miss out on a lot of stage points, but they're trying to win the race, right? At the time, they think that, we, hey, we got a race-winning car, so we're going to pit. We did the same thing on the 11. We pitted the same time they pitted. But stage points aren't as important for you like if Bubba stayed out if there if we for- think we can win we are going to forego stage points because okay. we have a fast enough car you put us up front good luck okay like, so in Bubba's situation do you agree with not taking the stage points there at the end of stage one knowing that for you mm-hmm. you have a point buffer right for how well you ran right, regular season. Right, you don't right. necessarily need those stage points Whereas if Bubba doesn't win the race and he gives up those I think the call is right. I think the call of pitting was the right call for him because they were at the time leading the race and they think that we're going to pit. We're going to try to salvage. He's a great on restart. So we're going to try to salvage, get back to the top 10, get one or two. Everyone in front of us is going to pit. They didn't, by the way. And then we'll regain the lead and then go right back to where we were up front. And then we're going to be a tough contender to win this race, but it didn't necessarily work out that way, but it didn't matter at the end. Cause he still was in control regardless of the strategy they played, which it was, I, in my opinion, the right one, they still found themselves with a ch- shot to win the race at the end. Right. Okay. So it, yeah, I mean, yeah. And then they don't have to worry about eight points anymore. They got, <laughs> they just move sure. on to the next round. Sure. It just, it, this is an important race. Like I, we said it before, Texas is like, in my opinion, the most single, most crucial race of these playoffs because the next two is the nervous ones. Like everyone's nervous now because of Talladega. How am I going to end up? We're even debating, Denny, would you take an 11th place finish? Like talk about setting a low bar, but I thought about it. That's how, that's how unpredictable it is. So um, this was a crucial race. Everyone wanted to maximize their points day at this track because of, you know, the next two are just very iffy. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you were Bubba going into this race and you, you would were think told that they're, you're going to go from minus whatever it was, 14, 15, 16, you should to minus it. two. Yep. You yeah. should take it. Yep. Uh, they should have, be happy with the weekend. No per, doubt. Per chopper. So I guess consider your source, but a 16 seed has never moved on to the round of eight. Oh, really? Really? Well, that's not per chopper. That's 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 per Russell then probably. Yeah, Russell, <laughs> Russell's the brain trust of that group. I just want to shout out chopper. That's the dirty Mo- dough group. Um, they uh, you can hear them on Thursdays. It's actually pretty good listening because you kind of like for me. I, I'm just listening, not for betting reasons. Obviously, it's to well, who runs good here? Who should I be checking out during practice? Like, 
it's just interesting storylines of like, wow, I didn't know this person has got such a strong track record at that track. Yeah. So it's interesting. They, they've got some good um, intel um, that, that certainly you should check out. So Taldega, we talked about that. Then we got the Roval. Um, it's going to be a crazy, it's going to be a crazy round. Um, I just think that there's so many, the, the points are tight. It just seems like it's kind of tight in that area of like who, who in this group gets a bad finish with no stage points at Talladega and then finds himself in a really tough spot going into the Roval. Did you know that after 30 of 36 races, you are the unofficial points leader in the Winston Cup standings. <laughs> what does that pay? Oh, I don't know, but uh, yeah, oh, I know you're, you're 42 points Zero. up on Martin Truex Jr. now. So you're saying okay? I'm just trying to figure this out. Oh, I just clicked on a link. Yeah, is that the link? Is that the link to the Winston Cup standings? So that is the. It runs straight through. There we have no we talk off. about this every single yeah. year. Okay, so this is the season long. It's me, then Martin, Busher, Bell, Brad. Minus 42, minus 44. But this is like, doesn't winning get you like 185 points or something? So it's, I don't know. The points I are just pretty know tight. Around this time every year, you bring up, well, f- if they never changed the points structure from years ago, yeah, I'd have like five crown, If they actually crown the real champion? Yeah. You yeah. have like five of these things. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, I don't I don't think they should do season long. I I would love again, we we talked about this late last year. If you're going to crown a champion, I just disagree with doing it during one week. Like that's just what is the significance winning one race should not mean that you're the champion. Winning, you know, if you you got the sample size just needs to be bigger. I I think I said move it back to 12 guys. 12 weeks, 12 guys, right? Is it 12 weeks, 12 guys? No, maybe it's 11 weeks. I'm not sure. But I said, if you're going to do a three-race season, do it the entire way. So the final four has three races to uh, determine the champion at different tracks. Like, because we're just thinking about, you know, what we're going to talk about in, in all the media is like, well, who runs good at Phoenix? That's who your champion's going to be. Whoever's good at that, that track. Well, we run all kinds of tracks throughout the year. Uh, if you put it at, at a homestead, there's going to be a clear favorite. If you put it at a road course, there'll be a clear favorite. So it's just, you know, when you deal with other sports, they don't change the size of the field. They don't change the arena on a basketball. It's always the same. The hoops are the same. Everything is the same. It's just you, you go to a different area. In our sport, it's like, well, it's the, does your team run well at that track? Well, wouldn't that be like home field advantage? No, because the court is still the same. It's just the audience. And 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 by the way, there's ball and strikes called made at a home home field or home court advantage. The there's no question. I mean, statistics prove this is that when you are at home, you get more calls from the refs. So the the fans make a uproar of some sort, and next thing you know, you got. The umpire throwing the flag because he feels like, oh, what did I miss? Right. Like it just there. There's different factors like that. In racing, it's how does your it doesn't the fans don't matter whatsoever. Once you get in the car, you can't hear anything. You can't see anything. You're just do you run good at that track? 
I think personally, you know, it's, it is so different, but do the season long? No, I, I get it. That used to be the old Winston cup way, but back when we at least had 10 weeks to crown our champion, like that was like, you had to put together 10 weeks of excellence. Now, you know, people are, are on Martin Truex after four bad races. I, I don't care. He, he can show up next week and win and win the next week, move on. And he could easily be your champion this year. And yet we're crapping on him after four races of the playoffs. It doesn't matter anymore, folks. You just move on. And if you move on, it comes down to one race. And that's how your champion for the entire year is decided is through that one race. Sure, but momentum matters, right? Oh, if the if the one race was next nope. week, would you feel as take yourself out of the situation? If mm-hmm. the one race was next week, would you feel better about the 19 car well, or the 11? Tell me cars? where the track is. Phoenix. Phoenix? I like the 19. One of those cars has been running mid-pack for the last four weeks. The other one has been consistently in the top five. I get it, but it's it doesn't relate. It does not relate because the tracks don't relate. Now, are you saying that like the 19 or the five? I think it's that's a close call. But if it was I'm a mile and a half, a car, it's not it a close ma- call. Like, it doesn't matter right, what the car right number now. is. Not right now. It doesn't matter what the car number is. It's a team that is entering the playoffs on a five-game win streak and a team that's entering the backing into the playoffs on a four-game losing streak. Which one do I feel better about in that single-handed game? Uh, yeah. It, if you make it to the Final Four, you're not on a five-game lose streak. You, you've, you've had to perform, you had to perform somewhere at some point in the round of eight. So it's not, it's not like you're completely... Or Without you could momentum. have just performed really well in the regular season, won the first eight games, and then like dropped six of eight. I and know. I still hear find you. yourself in the playoffs. Put me in as a vote of either you go back to 10, 10 drivers, 10 weeks, crown a champion after that 10 weeks, use a regular season points. You know, you can start them in, in advance of that. Maybe you double the regular season points. So that way you're real. Ch- so. In other words, if you win a stage, it's two points. You win a race, it's 10 points. That way, the regular season champ, all the people that got bonus points during the regular season have a big gap because, I mean, FedEx Cup does it in golf, right? They go to the last event, and the leader of the points has got a five-stroke advantage. Like, it's they give you a big advantage because you earn that. But in ours, it's... They erase all that going into the last week, and then you just kind of go race. So I, I'm in favor of a tender. You know, again, it should be. Di- they they kept increasing the sample size because what, it, it depends on who you talk to. But they say, well, the sponsors who didn't make the playoffs were, you know, disappointed. Well, tough run better. Sponsor a better car. Yeah, I, exactly. Sponsor a better car then. So they kept, then they increased it from 10 to 12, then they went up to 16. And I hate to say it, but some of the teams that like squeak in, it's like, come on, like, it's it's just, I don't know. I, I think it needs to be a little bit more prestigious. Um, it's okay to have a big name miss it. Like, that. The, well, we do currently with 16 in this next gen era. Okay. Chase Elliott missed it. He, he missed Bowman races. Missed he missed races. 
he his car is in. So that tells you yeah, that. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I guess that, you're right. That means his he he was good enough this year. Chase Elliott was good enough to make the playoffs. His car, I don't know. His I, car think we, did. I think we have enough competitive cars now in the next gen era that. I mean, twelve would be wild, but it's almost half the field, Jared. I understand, but half the half, more than half, half the, the field now half is competitive. The teams in the league make the playoffs. Half the teams. I mean, come on. Might as well just say everyone makes it in the NBA. Half the teams do make the playoffs. <sighs> All right, I hear your point. I, I hear you. It's it's. I validate what you're saying. Um, I think it's. I think it's fine the way it is. The one race. I mean, are you really going to change it again? Realistically, probably not. I'm just saying it's, I think it's interesting that it's what you're doing now. Nothing matters except for the last race. And so if you win a championship, it just means that you won a race. It doesn't mean that you were the best through the season. It just means you won a race. Yeah. You just hope hope that the guy who wins that race is the one you would have picked for the champion. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that there's a couple ways that I'd, I'd like to see it change. You know, this can happen well after my career is over, but 10, 10 drivers, 10 weeks. Or, or you just have, if you have your 16 drivers, 10 weeks. Give us a big enough sample size. It's the reason that NASCAR pays the charters based off of a running average of finishes over the year. Like, it's, they don't reward it just off of one race. Like, there's a reason that you always gather a bigger sample size is because the more data points that you have, the more, what's the word? I, I want to say this right, but it's the better the results are showing the truth. I, I, I don't, I'm not saying that right, but you know, the more data, the more true the sample size is and the, and the truer the chance. Yeah. So, um, I think it should be 10 weeks, add up all the points, double all the bonus points during the regular season. Or, or if you want to keep that points as it is, the, at least the final four should have three races to figure it out. Three races to figure it out. You then you've then got three championship races and you go to venues that perhaps are maybe a little different. Mile, put them all in a half in there. A short, a true short track in there. Run Phoenix in there. Not, next thing you know, you've gathered enough data points to really pinpoint this guy was our best. But in the one race, the reason I say this is because, no offense to J.J. Ailey, but he just changed the outcome of Kyle Larson's finish. And that's not right for them, right? And it easily could happen in the final race. We know because it has happened. Carl Edwards out of a championship because of a caution late martin truex or myself out of a championship because of i think it was the same 15 car broke something at the end of phoenix two years ago i think it was our friend of the show garrett smithley i mean it's not his fault he didn't put the car together i know but it's i'm saying that just it's very mickey mouse when you when you do it in such a small sample size they're trying to fabricate a game seven moment instead of just, you know what? Game seven is, is special because it is game seven. Yeah. It doesn't happen every series. I just don't think you can change it now that you've uh, committed. You're not going to change it yeah. now. I'm saying in the future, let's, let's think about it. Right. Got it. So we know what we all are doing now. We know the format. Um, it just, you always want to see 
the best truly crowned. And I think that that that's that's Jeff's argument that he made. He's like, listen, dude, I I used to get like just could not understand, but I just realized we've shifted from entertainment from you know. Uh, true blood racing to entertainment and and i get it as well i understand why we we came up with this but and this all got spurred up because you sent me the f-ing winston cup points that doesn't matter for f-ing. like who gives a shit about that all it says it's, is that basically over the course of the year so far it's literally a conversation that's had at this time every year not like a serious conversation. Well, you know why? But because you always point they it out. Know it's a that perennial it's, conversation. They, perennial conversation. They know it's Mickey Mouse. This system is Mickey Mouse. That's why. That's why we have this conversation every single year. And so, um, you know, it is what it is. And we have to, uh, it, these are the rules in which we play by and which we strategize around. So anyway, moving on from that, let's wrap I, this up. I have one Dear Danny for you. Oh. Okay. Dear Danny, we've got some questions that we want to ask. Dear Danny, we need answers and we need them fast. We tried to ask Junior, but his answers were lame. And with DBC, it was more of the same. Now we're calling on you, because you're our only hope. This ain't the racetrack, so maybe you won't choke. This comes from Tyler TW Stone 95. I know traditionally AC isn't used because of weight, power reduction, fuel mileage, and teams figured that out early on. Now that there is so much regulation, has there been any discussion between NASCAR teams and drivers about adding it back? I'm not saying it should be 65 in the car, but four hours of 120, 130 seems risky. If everyone was mandated to have it, wouldn't the competitive disadvantage be equal? You fucking lost me. I don't even know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Say that again. Let me start over. Let me. You got my attention now. This is typical, Teddy. I know. I didn't hear the first <laughs> sentence, and it it threw me off. Go ahead. Go. Traditionally, AC, air oh, conditioning, okay, isn't used because of many factors. Mm-hmm. Now that there is so much regulation, has there been any discussion about adding it back? Because it seems like four hours of 120, 130 degrees seems a bit risky. If everyone was mandated to have it. Wouldn't the competitive disadvantage be equal? Uh, good question. Very good question. Um, who sent that? Tyler, TW Stone 95. Okay. Uh, it is a good question. Now, it's not as big of a um, competitive disadvantage in the next gen because the next gen car is just generally heavier than what we had in the gen six car. Um, and now the units are, are a little bit more uh, efficient, uh, they're not as heavy. Um, everyone this weekend ran it because honestly, if you have a driver that is not a hundred percent, that far outweighs the deficit that you'll have versus the amount of weight that you have to put in your car. Um, it nowadays, uh, you run whatever makes the driver most comfortable. You do not very seldom. Do you not put in an AC or a cool shirt or whatever, because it's a competitive disadvantage. Um, we, you know, you just learn that a driver at 100% is worth more speed than a car that is 0.0005 faster. Like it just that that is just typically the the case. Um, but you know, teams always look for any advantage that they possibly can. Uh, short tracks is maybe a, a bigger factor. The bigger the racetrack, the less the weight matters. 
So generally speaking, the shorter the track, the more we will really start to beat up every couple pounds here and there. But when it comes to drivers uh, and their comfort uh, with heat, uh, you, you won't find any of them this weekend that do not have all the necessary tools that they needed to stay cool. But like proper AC unit in the car that you can set your temperature to. Is that what you're asking? I think that's what the question was. Yeah. No, I think in the broadcast, they were talking about how it was like an either or with like the, the cool suit or some sort of AC with the helmet or something. I, I'm not sure if that's accurate. There's two different units that we use to cool ourselves. There's one, there's there's a cool shirt. So it's essentially a shirt. It's got yep. a bunch of tubes running through it and a liquid that basically stays cool throughout the race. So it cools your core temperature. And what we've seen through data is that it, it cools your interior core temperature about a degree. So it's not much, but it is a degree. So that, that does matter. Uh, I don't run a cool shirt that often. Um, usually if it's only 90 or above, like we talked about earlier, um, just simply for the comfort for me, I just feel like it's very binding. Um, you know, you have to run long sleeves on it. It's just very binding from my standpoint. Um, I always run an AC. So the, the secondary unit is an AC, which that is a very vague word and it's a very loose term it basically just cools the outside temperature let's just call it or the interior temperature 30 degrees so both of it it's using the interior temperature to pull air from and then regulate it and then cool it down put it in your body or your head i can tell you this weekend under caution it was smoldering hot under under green conditions when I got a little bit of air blowing into the car and it's circulating and then yeah. it's using that air to pull and then cool it much more comfortable. But under caution, I have to shut everything off because the interior of the car heat soaks and you'll notice that they probably were showing the temperature of the interior of cars throughout the day. They're going to show it during caution because it's the hottest by far under caution versus under green. We'll wrap this up. I got one review here from Dirt to Kev, and they say, I'll preface my review with this. I'm a Kyle Busch fan, and when he was at JGR, I wasn't much of a DH fan. Regardless of him leaving JGR or not, this podcast has made me a big Denny fan. You, Jared, and Travis kill it every week. You are well-spoken and knowledgeable, and your explanation about the technical aspect of NASCAR is excellent. Putting my Kyle Busch fandom aside, I hope you win a championship this year. Wow, that that is... Speaking of technical, and that was a well-put-together review right there by, who is it? Dirt to Kev? Dirt to Kev. Dirt to Kev. Thank you for the review. Uh, we'll continue to read these out at the end of the podcast each week. Uh, thanks. You know, hey, I don't mind you being Kyle Bush fan. Kyle's a great dude. Um, enjoyed being his teammate for many, many years. So I uh, appreciate you all tuning in. Make sure you rate, review us, all that stuff. Help, help me out here, Jared. Rate, rate review, follow uh, at Dirty Mo Media, at Denny Hamlin, at Jared D. Allen, and then don't forget uh, Las Vegas. You got the Dirty Mo experience coming up. Uh, great. Sounds good. And um, yeah, good luck to you and your uh, future endeavors there, Jared. We'll close it out with that. All right. 
Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.